Hello everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and in this segment we are going to be discussing the upcoming new moon on September 25th 2022. As always, I like to remind you all at the beginning that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. To learn more about the differences between these two systems, please go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media, and then astrology now. I have a podcast embedded there that will share many of the differences between these two systems of astrology, keeping in mind that the Vedic sidereal system, which is what I'm going to be using today, is different than the Western tropical system. So this is going to be different than (laughs) Western astrology. I haven't had anybody confused in a long time. I think that sidereal astrology is becoming more popular, but in the beginning it happened quite a bit. Um, But it's always nice to have more information. So maybe go check out that podcast if you would like to learn more. A reminder that I am running my second cohort. I am facilitating the second cohort, I should say, for the Inner Knowing Vedic Coaching Program. It's going to start on October 22nd. I'm so excited. The people who have signed up so far are so amazing, and I'm just so looking forward to getting to know them more and working with them for the next six months. I've condensed the program down to six. Um, But if you are interested in the Inner Knowing Vedic Coaching Program, go to my website, go to offerings, and you'll see the coaching program there. It is a lifestyle coaching program. And so what it is focused on is helping individuals create and construct a life of meaning, purpose, and alignment utilizing Vedic sciences like Ayurveda and Vedic astrology. So it's not a Vedic astrology training, but we do use our charts quite a bit and you will absolutely be proficient with your chart by the end of the program if that's something that you are interested in. So let's go ahead. I guess I should say I would really love to get to work with you for six months. (laughs) It's always really exciting to get to know people well. Um, But anyway, moving on into this new moon forecast. I was so excited when I saw that the new moon was going to be in Uttara Falguni because this is a really significant time for relationships anyway because Venus is about to be debilitated in the sign of Virgo putting love romance relationship connection diplomacy partnership of all kind really coming to the forefront and you know this cycle that we're in with Rahu and Ketu it's putting an emphasis on relationship in general so really the theme of this 18 months from March of 2022 to November of 2023, um, this cycle of time is really based on relationship anyway, because we have Rahu in Aries, which is all about the independent individual. We have Ketu in Libra, which is all about the other finding balance and promoting harmony. So with the karmic nodes in these signs, it's a theme in our personal lives, but in the world around us as well. Kind of finding that balance between independence, dependence, interdependence, if you will. And also on a global level, as I spoke about extensively in the K2 and Swati segment that I released last Friday, there is this focus on global connections and global relationships, you know, trading 
communicating, making deals, making agreements, things of that nature. So the 18 months is already seriously shaded by relationship and the theme of relationship. But now this month that we're entering into from, I suppose it'll be this Sunday until October 18th. So September 24th, 2022 until October 18th, 2022, Venus is going to be in the sign of Virgo. And it's really important to note that all placements are going to have some sort of benefit. And a lot of the placements are going to have some sort of negative possible attribute as well. But Venus and Virgo, there are some benefits in that it becomes incredibly detail-oriented. If you are a creative person of any kind, you know, I think that when we say creative, we may think of like an artist or something, but it could be an artist in terms of someone drawing or painting, but it could also be someone creating podcasts, someone creating online content, someone creating uh, engineering, engineering airplane parts, you know, anyone who does some sort of creation, Venus has an association to our creative energy. And so when it's in Virgo, it gives us this really amazing ability to be detail oriented. It helps us be practical, pragmatic. What I love most about Venus and Virgo is that it brings this very strategic mindset when it comes to our creativity, but also when it comes to our relationship. Venus is the karika, which means significator of. Venus is the karika of relationship. So this can also add a detail orientation when it comes to relationship. A very serious approach to relationship. It helps us be more practical and earthy. And most importantly, it gives us the opportunity to see things long term. What are we doing in partnership? And this could be in intimate partnership, it could be in business partnership, people that you're working with, is our dynamic going to work long-term? What facets of our dynamic need to change? You know, how can it be changed? And most importantly, how can we work on this other person's piece or these other people's pieces while I work on my piece as well? Taking that personal responsibility, which we're going to talk about extensively later. It's a time of deeper discernment. You know, being critical is kind of the darker side of Virgo. Discernment is a compass. Discernment helps us determine what is beneficial for us versus what is poison for us. I always say that discernment is the compass of the heart when it comes to spirituality because, you know, in modern day kind of spiritual community, it's kind of the Wild West. You know, everyone kind of has their idea of how they perceive things and how they promote things and how they teach things. And we need to use our discernment to determine what is really supportive for our spiritual path, what is really supportive for our evolution and growth, and what isn't. And we get to decide that for ourselves, right? It's different than being critical and uh, kind of slamming other people or judging other people totally different feel okay so you've got to have that discernment to be able to decide what is going to help you grow versus what isn't what is for you versus what isn't and then everyone else gets to do what they want to do <laughs> right it's kind of drawing that line when it comes to relationship it's the same way we don't want to be critical we don't want to be judgmental of other people 
you know, rather it be an intimate partner or a business partner or a professional that we're working with. But we need to have discernment. Is this person helping me be better? Are we synergizing? You know, are we coming together to build more, to pioneer, to be greater than what we are alone? And that's really the point of partnership. When people join forces in business, as we know, it's to do better together. It's not because they need each other. It's not because, you know, they're codependent. It's because they know that with each other, they can go further. Same thing with intimate partnerships. I think that a lot of the time our intimate partnerships become something that we feel we need, you know, Um, it could be like that codependency or fear, you know, whatever is driving it. Ideally, relationships are something that fuel the best parts of ourself. They help uncover the darker parts of ourself in a safe way where we can build and grow through them. Not that, you know, we're ever going to be clear of darkness, but I guess they can help us reveal our own darkness and have it feel safe and have it feel accepted and understood and not judged, right? Um, And then we can be that kind of better, stronger version of ourselves. So that's really how discernment helps versus the critical element of things. And so I did want to mention that and kind of juxtapose the positive potential of Venus in Virgo versus the negative qualities of having Venus in Virgo when it's kind of out of balance. And so the things to watch out for when Venus is in Virgo is we really want to avoid that criticism. We do want to avoid nitpicking. We want to avoid being too hard on other people, being too hard on ourselves, controlling behavior, also perhaps manipulative behavior. Sometimes this placement, especially with Mercury and Mercury is currently going retrograde, there can be this tendency to kind of low-key manipulate. And so low-key manipulation can look like push-pull dynamic where maybe you really want someone to come towards you, but instead of saying, hey, I'm feeling really raw and really vulnerable and having time with you would be really helpful, we may say something to push the other person away. Like, no, I don't I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't feel well or whatever. It's like we may choose verbalization to try to get the person to beg to see us or try to get the person to try harder to see us because that's what we want. But instead of just asking the person to come towards us, we kind of like push them away. So that's like that low key manipulation that we can all be prone to doing. (laughs) There are so many examples of this um, that, you know, we're not going to spend too much time going into. But the other elements of Venus in Virgo, Venus in Virgo, for a lot of us, it may bring up, it may bring up some stuff, you know, rather it be with our intimate relationships or with our partners, there could be that miscommunication happening. There could be some kind of bumping up against each other's wounds. There could even be this feeling of needing to be alone. You know, Virgo is the maiden. It is a single woman that's kind of the old school, you know, symbol of Virgo. It's the single maiden carrying Ayurvedic medicine. So there can be this kind of energy of needing to be alone or kind of wanting space. And so we could all kind of, as a collective, we're all going to be prone to that. So it is something to have in the back of your mind if you're feeling that need to withdraw or turn away 
notice, you know, be fair and be loving and compassionate if you do need to ask for space. Be compassionate with yourself and then also, of course, be compassionate with other people as well. The other thing with Venus and Virgo is that it is going to be with Mercury. Mercury is going to be conjoined with Venus for this entire duration of time. I want to remind you all that Mercury will direct on October 2nd. So after October 2nd, give it about a week. So October um, maybe 9th or so, you should start feeling a lot better when it comes to the communication. So October 9th until October 18th, there should be a lot better energy surrounding relationships and connections, professional and intimate. And I also want to add that when we have a debilitated planet, such as Venus being debilitated in Virgo, when it is with an exalted planet, it tends to operate a lot better. And so Mercury is going to be in Virgo as well for this entire transit, meaning that the stabilitated Venus is with an exalted Mercury. This greatly nullifies the effect. But as Mercury is retrograding, it still gives this kind of complicated energy. So I don't want y'all to see that and just think like, oh, it's Nietzsche bung, like there's not going to be any negative quality here. It's definitely supportive and there could still be some of these miscommunications and things when it comes to romance and relationship. So why am I starting the podcast off with all of this? It's because we are having a new moon in the nakshatra of Uttara Falguni. So Uttara Falguni spans between Leo and Virgo. This new moon is taking place in the sign of Virgo specifically. And Uttara Falguni, or the Falgunis, you know, Porva Falguni and Uttara Falguni, they're associated with marriage. They're associated with coming together, with joining hands. The deity for Uttara Falguni is Ariman, and this is the deity of patronage and the deity of marriage. So Uttara Falguni notoriously offers good marriage life, okay? So much association to marriage, to joining forces, connection, partnership, but also prosperity and wealth as well. There is an association to serving others and helping others. This is a, this is a very beautiful nakshatra. It's a very auspicious nakshatra. It's also associated to generosity, intelligence, beauty, righteousness, virtue. Again, this is a good nakshatra that is historically associated to a good marriage life. Now, I've seen Uttara Falgunis not have a good marriage life, but I would say it's less common than it is common. I would say the vast majority of the time when someone has, especially the moon in Uttara Falguni, offers really sweet relationship. Individuals who have Uttara Falguni as their moon, they typically understand how to maintain a relationship. And some of those things being, you know, when it comes to maintaining a relationship, it's staying heart-centered, you know, even in the toughest times, being able to be open-minded, not making assumptions, being free of judgment, really wanting to hear the other person's perspective and trusting their perspective. I think that some of the downfalls in relationship are in those moments of intensity or in arguments. We may make assumptions about other people. We may try to fill in the gaps. We may try to play the guessing game as to what they actually mean. 
a really healthy way to approach relationship is approaching it with that open mind. And again, when we have trust and faith in someone, really being able to take what they say at face value. I feel that Utara Falguni really accelerates at that. They accelerate at listening, really listening to understand not listening to judge, not listening to attack, not listening to make assumptions. They listen because they truly want to understand other people. And I think that that, that's something that I love about Uttara Falgunis that I know in my personal life. Of course, they understand the meaning of sharing, of mutual investment, of offering compassion and curiosity, very, very generous, loving, and potentially even self-sacrificing individuals. So I'm not going to say every single Utara Falguni is this way. It's just these are some of the best qualities um, that support relationship, in my opinion. And I have seen that Leos tend to gravitate towards these things, but especially, again, Utara Falguni. And they do often end up with those uh, happy marriage, marriage circumstances. So Utara Falguni, <laughs> we're having a new moon in Virgo. And the new moon is a time of setting intention. It's a time of setting seeds, right? When the moon is dark in the sky, this is when we can plant our seeds of intention. And as the light fills the moon, it helps grow our intentions to fruition. And this new moon, of course, astronomically, when we have a new moon, the moon and the sun are together near each other in the sky so the moon cannot reflect any light of the sun and then this new moon is also going to be with a retrograding mercury and venus so this is an amazing opportunity to set intentions in regards to expression creativity communication but also relationship and this could be an intimate relationship again it could be a friendship it could be a business partnership it could be the relationship with ourselves because the relationship that we have with ourselves is going to really be the driving force behind how our other relationships turn out. And kind of how I was talking about earlier, whenever we approach relationship with fear, when we start trying to play a guessing game, when we start trying to listen for the sake of making assumptions or telling a story or validate past trauma, past hurt, you know, that's when things start going south. But when we approach relationship with love and when we stay in that heart-centered place, we can actually connect from a place of clarity. We can see others more deeply, rather it be a friend or someone in your family or a partner. We can see them more clearly. We can see them with more objectivity. And most importantly, we can see them with more love. We can hear them for who they are, not what our own wounds are projecting onto them. And so again, that relationship with ourself is perhaps the very most important one to focus on. And when I talk about the Gottman Institute and some hints and takeaways, really it begins with ourself and how we live in ourself and inhabit ourself. So we'll spend some time talking about that. Um, but have that in the back of your mind. As I mentioned, this is also a great time to set intentions in regards to our creative mind or our communication, how we're expressing ourselves. if it's clear, if it's authentic, if it's concise. And with Mercury retrograde, I think it's an important time to kind of let things evolve, let things change, try not to contain too much, try not to control too much. Because this time period, it can be <laughs> a little uncontained and harder to control. 
So that is a little bit on the astrology and the upcoming new moon. I really do hope you take advantage of it in our own personal lives. There may be an opportunity around a relationship. It's an excellent time to go out, meet new people. If you're not seeing anyone, if you're in a relationship, it's an amazing time to start fresh. Recommit, you know, is this something that you want to work? Just asking yourself that if you're in a relationship, is this relationship what you want? You know, is it, do you want this relationship to last? And then if you hear yourself say yes, what does it need? You know, what is your relationship currently needing so that it can last? Because Virgo is all about strategy and moving forward and projection into the future. So if you're currently in something that you're really wanting to harbor and grow long-term, just kind of focusing on what you can fuel the relationship with and, you know, how you can freshen it up (laughs) and see each other clearly. I think that sometimes if we're in a relationship, especially for an extended period of time, it's like we kind of start merging together. It's like we kind of stop seeing the other person like other people see them because we're with them all the time. And we may start expressing ourselves differently to them. We may start concealing certain parts of ourselves or hiding certain parts of ourselves, and like becoming that role, right? When we're in relationship, we kind of start playing that role. Maybe breaking out of that a little bit. Maybe sharing a new secret, sharing a new dream, um, sharing a little bit more about a hobby that you typically don't share much about or asking, you know, about the video game they've been playing, you know, whatever it is that's been consuming them that perhaps has gotten swept under the rug. It's like really trying to reinvest that energy and that interest and that curiosity. It's an amazing opportunity for that. Could also be with other relationships, with our friendships. It's the same thing. Like, are we offering that sincere curiosity and that love and devotion, even in the stagnant friends that we've known for, you know, 20 years? So it's a time to kind of refresh to really ask ourselves about the relationships that are worth investing in and then also turning towards ourselves and asking ourselves if we're showing up truly authentically and freshly in our relationships not just playing that role that we've been playing kind of brushing it off a bit it's never too late to do that we can do it every day every week every year whenever it's necessary so that is personally, if we look at things from a global perspective, we could absolutely see some sort of agreement come to light. There could be uh, new connections, alliances, maybe some sort of marriage announcement, but there could be something that comes up globally that has to do with a connection, an alliance again, or a marriage. So Gottman. If you're unfamiliar with the Gottman Institute, they have done more research in relationship than anyone else on earth. And the founders are John and Julie Gottman, who are absolutely amazing. And the Gottman Institute, they offer trainings to regular people. And they also train therapists. I've been working with a Gottman therapist for a while now. I absolutely adore her. And the reason that I thought that this was suiting for today was because Venus is going to be in Virgo. And we are going to be prone to feeling more critical, maybe feeling even more defensive. As I was saying earlier, we may kind of struggle with our communication. So I wanted to offer some really helpful guidelines that I've learned through the Gottman Institute. And I'll do this very briefly. So according to Gottman, and I'm literally looking at one of their pamphlets right now, so I did not make this up. This is from the Gottman Institute. They 
categorize the absolute worst things that we can do in relationship as the four horsemen. And then they also offer antidotes. So these are like the four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to relating. (laughs) And then they have four antidotes. So if we're moving into Virgo season and things are feeling awry, we're feeling critical, communication is off with Mercury retrograde, think about these four horsemen and their antidotes. So the first horseman of the apocalypse is criticism. And so they describe criticism as verbally attacking personality or character. So criticism could be like, you always forget to wash the dishes or you are always so silly when I'm trying to be serious or, oh my God, why can't you just do this right? Right. All that's critical. The antidote is a soft startup, according to Gottman. Talk about your feelings using I statements and express a positive need. So like that example I used a moment ago, you're so silly when I'm trying to be serious, right? That's like criticizing somebody. A soft startup is, hey, honey, I know you're trying to be silly right now. I am really freaked out. I'm having a lot of anxiety. I would really love it if you could kind of meet me in the serious moment. (laughs) Doesn't have to be perfect, right? That is my example for today. The second four horsemen is contempt. And this is the worst one. This is what my therapist says is the hardest to fix. So contempt, according to Gottman, is attacking sense of self with intent to insult or wait, Attacking sense of self with intent to insult or assuming a position of moral superiority. That does not sound fun at all, right? So contempt is attacking a sense of self like, um, or again, taking this position of moral superiority. The one that comes to my mind is someone like coming home and they're like, I work all day long and all you do is stay home with the kids and you can't even make dinner. Like, that's like the worst, in my opinion. Like, oh my gosh, it just like makes the hair on my neck stand up. But I've heard that before in my life. That's contempt. Putting somebody down, attacking their character, taking moral superiority. The antidote, the antidote, what will heal contempt is building a culture of appreciation. And how we can build a culture of appreciation is reminding yourself of your partner's positive qualities and find gratitude for positive action. Building culture of appreciation. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for doing the most important job in the world, which is raising our children. I am starving. I really wish dinner were ready. Would it be better to order out so that neither of us have to worry about it? That would be an antidote. Okay, third is defensiveness. <laughs> oh, defensiveness. Victimizing yourself to ward off a perceived attack and reverse the blame. So defensiveness is really hard, right? It's like, I feel like all of us are prone to being defensive. It's so primal, I feel like. So as soon as someone says like, hey, um, you didn't put your shoes back where I asked you to. It's getting all muddy in the hallway. Oh my gosh, I, I was running late. I had to do this. It's like this. Why, why do you have to have it perfect all the time? I was running late for this meeting and I just took my shoes off and put them there. It's like that's defensiveness, right? The antidote for defensiveness is accepting responsibility. Accept your partner's perceptive. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Accept your partner's perspective and offer an apology for any wrongdoing. Oh my gosh, you're so right. I left my shoes in the hallway again. 
I'll put them away right now. I'm super sorry about that. But, you know, sometimes I come home and I'm in a hurry. So if we want to put a mat down so that I can still be in a hurry and put my shoes back, it's like that's, you know, accepting responsibility and maybe stating a need if you have that. The fourth horseman is stonewalling. Withdrawing to avoid conflict to convey disapproval, distance, and separation. This one is the one I've had to work on the most, stonewalling. Withdrawing to avoid conflict to convey disapproval, distance, and separation. So stonewalling, and this is really interesting. I've watched a bunch of research on stonewalling with like different people with different upbringings because stonewalling can look different. But stonewalling is like someone comes up and they're like, hey, you know, I asked you to put your shoes up. You never put your shoes up. The doll- the hallway is now a mess and I have to clean it up. The person could just shut down and leave without saying anything. They could just stand there and still stare blankly at the person, you know, without saying anything because they're shutting down. It's like stonewalling. Um, again, it, could, it can look at various, it can look various ways, especially if someone has like a history of dissociation because sometimes depending on the conflict individuals can literally um dissociate but stonewalling it's like um kind of taking that space or taking distance so maybe the person comes forward and they're trying to mention that the shoes in the hallway are annoying and then the person just walks into the other room and completely ignores them so the antidote for stonewalling is physiological self-soothing Take a break and spend that time doing something soothing and distracting. So if you're in the middle of a conflict and, you know, things are getting heated, people are arguing, there may even be some yelling, stopping, saying, hey, I think that we've had enough for now. I'm going to go into the bedroom and I'm going to chill for 10 minutes. And after I regulate, I'm going to come back so that we can talk about this. That would be a great antidote for stonewalling. And it takes very, very high levels of self-regulation in order to do any of the things that I'm talking about right now. So I'm going to talk about that in a second. But again, the four horsemen are criticism, content, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And the antidotes that we talked about, it requires a lot of time and patience and commitment to ourselves in order to be able to do it well. And so I'm sure, again, there are a bunch of Uttara Falguni moons listening to this and they're like, I do all of this naturally. <laughs> there are lots of people uh, listening to this where it comes naturally, but there are a lot of us where it doesn't come naturally. And again, I'm one of those people where these things did not come naturally. I've had to work on them extensively. I'm still working on them extensively. Um, and it takes time, it takes repetition. And I think that something that's really helpful is setting the intention with yourself. And then if you're in a relationship, if you have a business partnership, a friend, whatever, setting the intention with them as well. Like, hey, I've been reflecting, I think that I'm really critical. And I want to take responsibility for the times I've been critical, and I want to do better. And so I'm going to be really trying to do better moving forward. That kind of sets the tone. And then if you are critical, you can come back and say, man, I set this intention. I'm really trying. I know it's going to take time, but I want to call myself out. I'm going to do better. So just give yourself tons of leeway. I try to give myself tons of leeway. And, and again, just kind of openly set that intention for yourself and for the people around you if you feel called. Um, the last thing I want to mention about Gottman Institute is the sound house, the sound house, um, for relationship. I recommend Googling it. It's precious. Just Google the sound relationship house Gottman. So 
The house is built off of trust and commitment. The foundation is building love maps, sharing fondness and admiration, turning towards each other instead of turning away, turning towards, right, instead of stonewalling and just kind of disappearing, keeping a positive perspective on the relationship, learning how to manage conflict well. It turns into making life dreams come true and creating a shared meaning. But I think that what's so amazing about this image is the walls being built off of that trust and commitment to the connection again this could be a business partner this could be a friendship but any relationship that we have is going to have that fundamental trust and commitment and then building love maps so what i'm going to invite y'all to do is build some love maps while venus is in virgo building love maps means really really learning about your people Asking really deep and thoughtful questions, trying to really understand their world, know what is really interesting them right now, what global affairs are catching their attention, what games are they playing, you know, what posts are they really following or looking at on social media, who are their most important friends right now, who are their most influential friends, who are the people at work who are causing them grief, who is helping them, you know, who do they really like being at with work, how's the family, how's mom, you know, how, how's everything going, really taking the time to reacquaint yourself with your people, and then also in return, share that and take up that space and allow yourself to be under the limelight in the relationship by really sharing your own things as well and inviting people in to ask questions. And when those questions are asked, really allow yourself to take space. And that is something um, that a lot of you, if you've spent time with me, you've probably noticed. I know my intimate relationships notice this, but it's like when someone asks me a question, I try to immediately turn the attention back to the other person. <laughs> I think it's like part of the social worker in me, but it's also just like kind of uncomfortable. Like I get kind of like, it's not a nervousness, but I just like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm uncomfortable being the center of attention. And so I've been working on this, like taking up more space, allowing myself to share when people ask me questions, actually engaging in them and like letting time be spent on me and my things. And so you know, just just offering that because I didn't realize that about myself until a couple of years ago. And so maybe you don't know that about yourself yet. So really make sure that you're really allowing yourself to shine and share who you are because there are so many people who really want to know you and understand you and create those love maps because when we cut it off, we're blocking a love map from being built. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you have some ideas for this Venus in Virgo period and this amazing new moon opportunity to set an intention. I want to say also that Virgo is the sixth sign. The sixth sign is associated to the sixth house, which is an Upachaya house, meaning it gets better. It gets fed as time goes on. So the intentions that we're setting now really do have this amazing opportunity to grow and expand. So this week, instead of asking questions, I decided to ask the public for Mercury retrograde stories. The first story was by and inspired by Gori, one of my very favorites. A lot of you have probably met Gori at some point in time. But she was saying that her daughter was running a Mercury subdasha. And so remember that when we run certain dashas, it activates certain planetary energies. So if you're not running a Mercury dasha, Mercury retrograde may not affect you as much. But she's saying that her daughter is running a Mercury subdasha. And when Mercury went into Virgo, the 
day that she entered the subdasha, water fell on her phone and it was completely destroyed. And then 10 days later, her computer glass screen broke with no reason. And so she's a Libra rising, meaning that this transit was happening in her 12th house of sudden unexpected events or expenses. And so sending so much love to you and your daughter, Gory. I hope that that's getting repaired okay. It's such a Mercury retrograde story, having two big electronic pieces die. So sorry about that. This one was a little bit more jovial. Exes got back in touch. I had three texts back after ages. And I am that ex too. I've texted two other exes. <laughs> so it sounds like that there's a lot in the works for this individual. <laughs> Remember that Mercury retrograde can, you know, kind of bring things back. Of course, K2 and Libra can also bring back relationships from the past. And so she's saying that exes are kind of going crazy and her phone screen cracked. Wait a second. Phone screen cracked. Data stopped working. Locked out of official email in an unexplained way. Wow. Mercury retrograde is definitely impacting you. I wonder where your Mercury is placed. So we have another one talking about exes. Multiple exes have slid into the DMs crazy because none of them are quote-unquote awake and understand astrology or into this sort of thing. Multiple offers and opportunities have come to me randomly. Wonderful opportunities. However, I am feeling a slight pull towards some past situations also, having a hard time distinguishing what's right. That makes a lot of sense. Mercury is our cognitive processing. So whenever Mercury is retrograde, not knowing what makes sense makes sense. So kind of allow yourself to percolate. Try not to make any decisions. Um, try to take your time. I definitely wait until Mercury was direct to make any sudden moves. They had one more message and quote unquote wrong. Heart and mind conflicts frustrating. Love is definitely the theme though. Wow. Yeah, you're picking up on that. Love is definitely the theme and um, it makes sense. Final one I will share, laptop not turning on, thought it was an OS problem, turns out it was dirt and cat hair. The person at the repair shop was very nice and I felt stupid. <laughs> There's no need to feel stupid. Cat hair is so all pervasive. Um, I had this massive issue with my computer recently and all I needed to do was turn it on and off again. So don't feel bad about it. I guess I only have I only have one more, so I'm going to read this, and I'm sure that you guys will share more. I'll be sharing them on Instagram if you want more Mercury retrograde stories. This is the final one I'll read. Just dead, exhausted. I don't know if it's allergies or a virus, but I haven't felt well for a week. That is horrible. I am so sorry to hear that you're not feeling well. I hope that you feel better soon. Again, if Mercury is a big player in your chart, that could certainly have an effect, um, but I do hope that you're feeling better soon. So thank you so much to everyone sharing your Mercury retrograde stories. Again, follow me on Instagram astrology now underscore podcast where I'll be asking a lot more of these questions so that I can read them live if you'd like to schedule a reading with me you can go to my website innerknowing.yoga click on offerings and then readings I offer weekly horoscopes for each of the 12 zodiac signs at patreon.com slash astrology now podcast and my instagram is astrology now underscore podcast again my name is Christine Rodriguez this is astrology now thank you so much